Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? We're back. It's past Christmas, and we've got a returning guest twice in a week, just like Turkey on Christmas Day and Boxing Day. Demo is back in the house. Dennis, welcome back to Five Yard Rush. How are you doing? Hi, guys. Still in Atlanta, I'm afraid. I couldn't get out. <laughs> <laughs> Worst places to be, man. I tell you, I'm, I'd, I'd rather be there than the, than here in the rain. But hey, uh, it's good to have you back. I'm going to say, man, it's, it's great to be on, on the, talking to you guys again. I'm just, it's a shame that the weather here is very, very similar to the weather that I'd expect on Christmas Day in London. Cold and rain. Oh, mate. It's, uh, yeah, that's the only slight thing with that area because... Um, uh, I lived in Florida for a long time, and you, you, you get it one of two things. You either get it so it's baking hot and it doesn't feel like Christmas, or you get the wet and the cold, especially in sort of that late evening. So, yeah, it's not a, not a big surprise you say that, but still, you've got a lot of things to entertain you and keep you occupied, plus, uh, plus people and everything. So, uh, you know, like I said, worst places to be, even though you're probably getting a little bit wet. But good to have <laughs> you back on. Thank you. This episode is going to be talking about your tour and your book. I haven't finished your book. I have been reading it. Um, I First of all, I've got to start off and say that um, I love the intro. Normally, you find intros to be quite 
boring, you know, just sort of things like, oh, what inspired me to write this book? And um, some of the things I I loved out of this was, <laughs> was like, I've never written a book before and I'm not going to follow conventional wisdom, basically. You're just going to write it how how you want to write it. <laughs> and you just didn't, didn't really care. Um, you just you wanted to write it as it should be read that you, you don't apologize for any um, spelling mistakes that you're going to write a lot in bold. And uh, <laughs> I loved it that you said you're going to swear a lot. <laughs> Adam, honestly, you've, you've met me in London. You know, you know what I'm like, honestly, the book, it was really important for me for the book to come across as it was spoken as I speak. I'm speaking to you guys now with no airs and graces you know, every emotion that I went through is in that book and it's in a lot of my words. And I just wanted the reader to fully understand how my emotions were in all my, um, in my times of emotion, all the good, the bad and the ugly. You know, if there was anything really good, I wanted the reader to kind of feel that they was with me in, in watching the games and the big disappointments and the, the big letdowns with all the promises that people, you know, promised to help me on my way and give me a helping hand and connect me. Um, so it was all there and honestly everything you read really did happen there is nothing dressed up there is nothing put in that book to make me look anything other than exactly what I am you know I've put things in there or been stupid things that I've done the cock-ups that I made the bad planning that I did it's just all there there's nothing hidden all warts and, and scars it's great and i love it because it just is such an authentic i said i've not finished it um so you know um but for what i have read it's so authentic it's it's hard to put down because it's just like you do it's as you say you're kind of living it with you even though it was a couple of years ago um it's still amazing to to see you document it and and to go through like a fan's experience and telling it like you'd be telling a mate down the pub, not necessarily like a, like a, like a professional book. It's just written like a fan for a fan that a fan would enjoy. Yeah. And so I will mention, you can buy this on Amazon. Um, well worth the money. I bought a copy. Um, Cause you self published it as well. Didn't you yourself? It's not gone through like a, a publishing agency. It's not gone through a publisher. No, no. I'll tell you exactly why, guys, because I know a story. There's a guy, I'm, I'm sure you guys know a guy called Adam, Adam Goldstein. So I met with Adam before I left home, and he told me a story that he did. Um, he wrote a couple of books uh, about the NFL and about tailgating, and he gave me some good advice by saying, you know, if you're going to do a book, don't do what I do did and kind of go to a publisher, let them swindle you into kind of a deal where you might buy, say, 2,000 copies. Um, it will work out a lot cheaper long-term, only if you sell those copies. But if you don't, like what happened to him, they're probably propping up his bed and his kitchen table and his, probably his mum and dad's kitchen table because if you don't sell them, then you're obviously holding on to that money. So he made a pretty big loss. So that taught me a lesson. So someone mentioned that I could do self-publishing publishing on, on Amazon. And what Amazon do, they set the price. So whenever someone says to me, oh, my God, it's 20 pounds, that's a bit expensive. I could only go on the guidelines set by Amazon because the book is quite a thick book. It's got about 700 and something pages. And I only make, well, I make less than a pound for every book. I don't know how many I've sold. It's not a lot. It's probably 100 to 200 if I'm lucky. And it was the only way that I could just do it. And it wasn't about making money in no way, shape or form. It was just about getting my story out there. 
And I was really hoping that the NFL UK or even the NFL themselves or even the Dallas Cowboys along the line would somehow get to read my story. Because for everybody that has read the whole book, they've said to me, what an amazing adventure you had. And, and I really did. And it is not just about the NFL. And I have to completely underline that because not only did I go and watch the NFL games, I did a couple of basketball games. I went to a baseball game. I went to hockey games. I was a tourist in 40 different U.S. cities. I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. I went to Motown Museum in Detroit. I recorded a song in Nashville. I recorded a song in Detroit. So there was so much to the book other than the NFL. And I wrote a song about the tour to begin with because my dream was to try to get that song played in stadiums. You know, you, you go to stadiums today, you hear the same old songs. It's Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. Um, an ACDC track, I think it's Thunderstruck. Um, a song by Metallica. And it's always great riffs, booming drums, screaming vocals. So I took a template of that, copied it, made my own song called Like a Touchdown. And I really thought this book would take off and actually could be the start of a new career for me. But sadly, every single person, and I mean every single one that offered to help me from the BBC to the NFL UK to TV, radio, everybody let me down. And to this day, I still don't understand why. That's crazy. So you just, you went out there, you've, told the story and you just didn't get anybody sort of on the back of it saying like, Oh, why don't you come on and talk about it? Or, you know, or just even give you any form of retweet or airplay or anything like that at all. No, I'll tell you what. And again, you've read the book. So if you read the introduction, there's a section, I think I called it the time wasters. And basically, honestly, and if you've read this section, I'll give you just a little clip of what I did. One day I was on a bus in central London and we went past the theater. I saw a big picture of, Bradley Cooper, big Philadelphia Eagles fan. He was playing the role of the Elephant Man. So I thought, okay, he's here in London. I'm going to write him a letter and I'll deliver it to the studio or to the um, theatre he was at, just to Trafalgar Square. And I'm going to ask him if I can watch a game with him when I get to Philadelphia. He's got to say yes, surely he will. So the next day I got home, done a really nice letter. You know, I know you're an Eagles fan, Bradley. I'd love to watch a game with you when I come to town. I delivered it. I put it in the hands of his PA, never to get a reply. And that hurts. You know, just tell me, you know, you're not interested. You don't want to do it. I don't care. Go away. That's a reply. I can deal with rejection. I can deal with no. But when no one replies, and it's just silence. And you're kind of keeping your fingers crossed that that phone will, will ring one day and one of those people will come up trumped with, a, with something but do you know what? The only person who did, and bless him, was the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Shahid Khan. I sent him a cheeky email, and he replied to me and said, OK, dude, come over. What game do you want to see? And I watched the game standing next to him in his private box. I mean, that's the only person who got back to me. And what an experience I had with him. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I mean... It's, it's shocking, but I mean, you did get to speak to Nat Coombs and Mike Carlson, didn't you, from what I remember reading? I did, I did, and again, everything's documented, everything I say to you now is going to be in the book. So I remember where I was, I was at the AFC Championship game in Denver, watching the Broncos plan against the Patriots, and I was called by them guys, and it was so noisy, I remember bending over backwards in the corner of this area, it was like a kitchen area, and I was just 
squint in my eyes as hard as I could to hear what they were saying. And it was really difficult to answer the questions because I could hardly hear them. But I managed to get through it. And bless him, Mike Carlson, I liked the guy a lot. But God, he wouldn't let me talk. He talked over me the whole time. And I felt like saying, Mike, listen, man, you're asking me a question. Let me talk. And it was very, very difficult to get a word in against him. But I managed to get through it. And that was one, only one of a few that I, I actually did do on live radio. Radio 5 Live, that was. Yeah, I mean, that I, you know, we've had the pleasure of speaking to, to Mike. He's a bit of a talker. But, and uh, I think he's got the record for the longest guest appearance. We did, uh, it was supposed to be 40 minutes. I think we were on for about an hour and 55 minutes. He does talk. <laughs> I, I like mean, him. I really he's like great, him. I, he, I he's a great guy. And that, and that is someone who's, who's very good. And, I know people listening to this, we had Jacob uh, Barner on before he did his world record attempt. And yep. we, I connected you with Jacob because I said, well, you've done this before. Yeah, you did. Um, so I, I, I put you two in, in, in touch. What did you, did you, um, what advice did you give to Jacob before he did, uh, before he did his attempt and, uh, and maybe something you could share to all fans listening who want to go watch games or multiple games, what, what would you sort of, what did you say to him? And then what can you share with anyone thinking about going to watch games in America? Right. Well, I did touch base with Jacob quite a lot, but it wasn't until halfway through his tour because I was completely not aware of his tour. If I would have known Jacob was doing it, I'd have contacted him before he left. And I would have said, here's my number. Here's my email address. You can call me anytime you want. If you need any help whatsoever, because I'm connected all over the country I could have made him tailgate at every single stadium easily and it would have been a pleasure for me to do that because I just wish somebody would have helped me do that. And like I mentioned to you a moment ago, I'm meeting up with a guy called Tim Young who I met here in Atlanta outside the Georgia Dome on my last tour and it was week number eight on the schedule. So before I met Tim, I didn't do any tailgating. But as soon as I met this one guy, he introduced me to literally every super fan around the country now. So whenever I turn up anywhere, I'm comps, all because of this one guy. And I was so grateful to this man. I would have done exactly the same to Jacob. So I was in touch with Jacob during the course of his tour, just saying, if you need any help, ask me. So occasionally he'd say to me, can you put me in touch with a tailgate in, say, LA, which I did. Uh, and I said, dude, I'm fighting your corner. If you need any help, please ask me. And we kept in touch quite a lot, but sadly we never met up because we kept zigzagging across each other. And I just want to say, I mean, good luck to Jacob. What he done was absolutely amazing. And um, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm, I'm pretty jealous of all of the uh, the, industry, um, the media attention that he got. And, and listen, I'm not going to say he didn't deserve it because he did. But I was promised a lot of that too, and none of them delivered. And I'm, I can't run down the BBC enough because I met with a guy called David Tassell that is the NFL UK guy, and he was connected to the BBC in a massive way. And he kept saying to me, don't worry, we're going to get you involved with the BBC. He told me at least 10 times. And every time I emailed him, he never produced the goods. So to, good luck to Jacob. All of the plaudits he got, TV work he got out of it, radio, podcasts, and the tickets for the NFL. Good luck to him. It couldn't happen to a nicer guy. No, definitely. But, I mean, it's a shame that, you know, you, you went through your experience. And, and like I said, you got, you got a, a great book. I can't believe you, you only make a pound off, off each publication and the rest of it goes to to Amazon. That is sickening because and, and uh, even, yeah. even hearing that, I still urge people to go. Like I said, I've not finished this because it is, it is 700 and 
770 pages um but it is a fantastic book i've been i've been dipping into it and what i really like about it is you can you know move around it it's not like a static you have to read it from cover to cover if there's a particular team you want to read first or a particular stadium because that's your team you can read that and yep. it, it reads well like that. that. That's what I really like about it because you, some, some, you know, some fans will want to read, well, I've never been to Green Bay. So I want to read Green, I want to read about the Packers and what it was like for Debo to experience that and, and live through that first. And you can do that and you don't miss out on, I mean, there's a couple of instances where previous uh, people you meet, you kind of see again, but it's not too much. It doesn't ruin from, from doing that. Um, and that's why like, it's not a traditional book, which is, again, another reason why I quite like it. But let's go back to the beginning. Then. So let's talk about this mad idea that you had about doing this tour. What, what made you just do this? What made you think, right, I'm going to go to all the NFL stadiums in one season? I mean, what, what, how did it all start? Okay, it was born out of one thing. Um, I've always been a big traveller. I've really travelled a lot. And uh, I've done many big tours around the world. And it's my passion. So I was dating this, this Czech girl that I mentioned previously, uh, a girl that I was going out with. And uh, we split. And she uh, went on the trip down to South America. And I went to North America. And this wasn't on my NFL trip. I did um, all of the music venues, being a musician. So I went from, I uh, started in New York. And I went right through the centre. Nashville, unbelievable. I recorded some stuff there. Then I went to Memphis, Austin, and New Orleans. And then I headed down South America, and I ended up at the World Cup in Brazil. That was 2014. I had the time of my life in Brazil, for because I'm a big soccer fan, especially the England team. Um, and I had the, the best time ever on Copacabana Beach watching games. So once I got home, I thought, you know what? To beat that trip is going to take something damn special. And I thought, okay, what's my passions in my life? So I've got my golf, I've got my fishing, I've got my football, and I've got my NFL. Well, the only one that really stood out was the NFL. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if an, an Englishman ever gone to every stadium in one season. And I thought, they can't have done. It's impossible. So I started planting the seed. And then sadly, my uncle died. And he left some money to give to his sister, who's my mum. So she does what mums tend to do. She divvied it up amongst the family. And I got a nice little chunk. And I thought, you know what? If I don't do it now, I never will. And... I knew it was going to be expensive, so I started planting the seeds. And the big um, date was the day in April when the schedule came out. And I'll challenge you now and anyone listening to this podcast, take the schedule of any given season and you try to get to a, a city and watch a game in that 17 week. It took me, honestly, more than two weeks to, to find that route. I mean, you can do it by flying like Jacob did. For me, that's just too easy. That's not a challenge. Because if you can afford it, you can just jump on a plane from New York and then go to Seattle, then go to Miami, then go to Dallas. Well, that was never my intention. My intention was to try to do it uh, with taking as little or least amount of flights as possible. So I did Amtrak trains, Greyhound buses, Uber taxis, coach rides, mega bus, Greyhound bus, Bolt Blue Bus, Peter Pan Bus, and more. Uh, hitch rides, share rides in um, car companies. So, and it was just a, it was a road trip. It was an adventure. And it was all born out of splitting up with a girlfriend and financed by my uncle. Bless him, because without that money, I could have never have done it. Sometimes these things just happen, don't they? And it's a great tribute to him that you did this. And, you know, you've put his name in print he'll forever be immortalized as a result of what you've done and remembered in some way shape or form so 
it was almost like a absolutely a him so a, amazing thing so it was and i'll and I tell you what adam can i just say i mean i'm the kind of guy that i'm never sitting around on my laurels i'm always doing something so my uncle bless him never got married he didn't really go out and do too many kind of flashy things like me as a golfer as a fisherman as as an american football fan he was a very quiet man so i'd like to think with the money that he left me i kind of used it and you know and i, I kind of lived it for for his wallet if that makes sense you know I, i'd like to think that he would have been looking down on me thinking do you know what? I've given that guy that money and he's using it in a really, really good way rather than buying a flashy car or buying a, or getting a house. So I feel good about the fact that I used it really in a nice way as a tribute to him. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think you definitely do it justice. And again, from I haven't finished the book, but from what I've read so far, I think it does shine through that, especially at the very beginning with the introduction and you explaining that story. So um, it, it's a, it's a wonderful tribute. In terms of then the tour itself, so you mentioned you didn't fly, you you took road trips, you said it took two weeks to plan. So how did you how did you plan it? So you get the schedule. How did you decide I'm gonna to go to this game and then this game? Because obviously some games must be much easier when you've got like Florida and you've got three teams. Um and then you've got, you know, you could do New York, New Jersey back to back. That's pretty easy. But then how do you make you know, how do you fit in teams like Kansas City or Seattle, for example, who are miles away from the next uh, NFL franchise, is literally hundreds of miles away. Right, I just have to correct you slightly there about the, the planes. I did fly. I only flew when I absolutely had to. And I flew in the end 21 times. So basically, what I did, I flew into New England because they were the Super Bowl winners of the previous year. And the way I planned it, and there's a section in the book, it's, it was actually quite complicated for me to explain it, and I'll, I'll do my best now. So, for example, take a game in, say, Boston, where I started. What the plan, the, 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 the ideal plan, the perfect plan would have been if I could have done them in a, in a kind of a line. So, say, for example, I went to the Boston was game one on the Thursday night then I could easily get the train or the bus into New York, which was, say, for two or three hours to watch the Giants play. Then the following Monday or the next day, there could have been a game in Philadelphia. So I could have got on the bus there for two hours, and then I could have gone to Baltimore. Well, sadly to say, the NFL is not like that one little bit. So basically, I could be in New York. And this is where it gets confusing, because I was in, say, New York, and I'd already been to Boston, but I've not been to Buffalo. So my next port of call from New York would be Buffalo. But Buffalo was playing away in Seattle, so I couldn't go to Buffalo. So I had to go somewhere else. So I'd go to Baltimore because it was close. Then next to Baltimore, you've got Washington. Mm. I couldn't go there the next because they was playing on the same day as the previous game I was at. So they was away the following week. Does that make sense? So I yeah. could never be near teams that was playing at home in the next... They would be both away from home. Like Baltimore would be away on the same day as Washington... So I couldn't get to either of them too. So I have to go somewhere else. So like Kansas City. So now at some point in the trip, I have to get back to Baltimore and Washington because I've not been to them stadiums as yet. So when I go back to Baltimore, Washington are away again. So I have to come back sometime in the rest of the trip to Washington. By this time, I'm now in San Francisco. So I have to start flying. And that's what I did. I saved the flying to the end. But the most important part of the trip for me was that I've told you the story about Shad Khan. So I chose a game to watch the Jacksonville Jags play on a Thursday night because I watched the Dallas Cowboys in Tampa on one Sunday and the following Sunday they was in Miami. So it was important 
for me as a Cowboys fan to see both those games. And luckily, in the middle of those two games was a Jacksonville Jaguars game. So that's where I started the row. I started it there, and that was like week six. And basically, that part of the jigsaw was placed first. And then I had to build the, the complete puzzle all around that section. And trust me, it was really, really difficult. Yeah, I mean, I, I looked at the order in which you, you tackled them, and it, it is crazy because some of these are very... As you say, some of them are quite logical. And Very then, random. But then, yeah, you got because you have some that you go like Atlanta, Charlotte. Okay, they're they're reasonably close. And then after Charlotte, you go to Cincinnati, which is in Ohio, which is nowhere close. And yep. then you go to Buffalo, and it's exactly. New, and then you hit the three yes. teams in a row, which made sense. But then you ended up going back to Ohio to go see <laughs> Cleveland, <laughs> and then to Detroit. Well, what's funny that the whole section you mentioned there was all done by buses. Because after I flew for about the third time, I flew from Chicago down to Houston. And after Houston, I did six weeks on the road without a flight. So I did Houston to Dallas, Dallas to New Orleans, New Orleans to uh, Nashville, Nashville to Indianapolis, back to Nashville, down to Atlanta via Chattanooga, then across to Carolina, then up Cincinnati, then to Buffalo, then to New York. All of that took me six weeks Everything was done by Greyhound or Megabus. And trust me, I would never, ever do it again. <laughs> I don't believe It was you. absolutely painful. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, but is... you do meet an interesting kind of person on a Greyhound bus, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, this goes on to my, my next question then, which is, you know, you, you've got so many great stories, and I wouldn't expect you to. Well, first of all, if you told us all of them, I think this would become an audio book, and it would be a, a very long series. Um, but what's the, if you were to to sell this book to people who have never met you, as you're listening, who are listening to you now and hadn't heard the book until we started talking about it? If we were to to sell it, what is the best story from the tour that's in the book? That's, that's you know you put me on the spot. That's a difficult one because there's yeah. so many stories. And most of them are funny, you know, because I'm a, I'm a pretty funny guy. I have to admit, you know, I'll do some stupid things. I'll do some wacky things. Okay, I'll tell you a story what happened when I got to, um, to Kansas City. Like I said, this is one story I could tell you out of any, I could tell you 10 different ones in the next 10 minutes. So I've arrived into Kansas City. There was no hostels. So my plan A was hostels because obviously it needed to keep the price down. Plan B was a thing called Airbnb, and plan C was called couch surfing. So my plan C had to take place because there was no hostels in Kansas City, and I couldn't afford to stay in one of the big flashy hotels. So I touched base with a guy whose name I changed in the book. And again, I wrote everything that happened, so I didn't want to badmouth this guy. So he met me at a hotel to take me to his, his house, and he lived just across the border. Because in Kansas City, it's between Kansas and Missouri, and the, the city of Kansas City kind of is right on that border. So he lived in, say, Missouri, and the stadium was in Kansas City. And I just relied on this guy at all times to drive me places. So we got back to his house, and as soon as he opened the door, the smell of his house was like a pet shop. And it just knocked me sideways. And I walked in to see two dogs in a cage, and it was four days of absolute it was just a nightmare staying with him for four days because the place absolutely stunk and i've got to tell you this story you asked for funny stories i've gone to the bathroom and gone back into the bedroom that i had and one of the dogs had left a present on the mat 
you know what. So he, he, he pooed in the room as I'd gone to the bathroom. So I'd gone to get the guy and said, look, I just want to let you know one of the dogs is pooed in the bedroom. So I've gone back to him and he said, which one did it? And I said, I don't know. I think it was that one. And he said, well, you're lucky because if it was the other one, he would have eaten it. So can you imagine <laughs> the look on my face when he said that? Here's me laying in a bedroom that stunk like a pet shop. The dog's just done a turd on the carpet and he was laughing saying the other dog would have eaten it. This is just one story of many that I wanted to come home on that day. It would have been so easy for me to have taken a taxi to the airport, rung my mum and said, Mum, put the kettle on, your boy's coming home. <laughs> but there's um, many more like that. Many, yeah. many times I could have... Going home would have been the easiest thing I could have done. Snoring in hostels. Don't start me off on that subject because I had it last night. I've been in hostels with seeing the things that have gone on in the hostel, everything from people coming in at late at night, falling over, having sex, snoring. Hostels are a last resort, but you have to do them to keep down the price. And that's the only way I could do the entire tour is because it was cheap. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you can get some hostels, you get in there, you can pay eight, ten bucks for them and it's horrible. But it's that or go and stay in a, you know, people say, oh, spend 40 bucks for a hotel. But when you're, on the road for over a hundred nights, that's not viable. It's 40 grand. Yeah. <laughs> but I tell you what though, I've got some brilliant stories that have come from these hostels. You know, there's so many stories of me trying to kind of get off with girls and hooking up with guys and going off to the pub and going to the strip joints and, and just having, just being a boy. And most of the people I was hanging around were a lot younger than me. So, you know, I was out drinking every single night until I got home so there's stories for every single city I was at. Funny ones, sad ones, stories of loneliness, stories of being, being ill. You know, I suffered from a little bit of anxiety and I've touched base on a little bit of depression over the years. And that reared its ugly head occasionally. And I don't hide any of that. You know, I tell people how I was feeling at certain times, moments of feeling down, moments of desperately wanting to go home. Being in places, really romantic places on my own, looking at loved ones, cuddling, holding hands. And here's me on my own just praying. I wish I was sharing this moment, this great moment of looking over this beautiful view across a canyon or a bridge or a building and not having anybody to share it with. You know, all emotions were there and it's all in the book. No, it really is. Um, fantastic. Final question from me then. So we can let you get back to uh, yep. uh, your travels across the US. Um, if you could change one thing about the tour and everything before, during, after, what would it be and why would you change it? That's a really easy one for me. For being a musician, being, I used to be in a rock band and I've always wanted to be, I want to say famous, but just recognised because I used to write some pretty decent songs and loads of them were on my website. I've had songs in films. I've had people cover my songs, but nothing ever took off. I just wish that before the start of my tour, someone like the BBC just gave me a platform to really get my music out there, get my stories out there, get my, my, my book. Uh, just got some support from somebody that believed in me as much as I believed in myself because I still do. And, People are asking me if I'm going to write a second book. Well, I'll tell you what, I've got more than enough stories on this particular journey to write another book. But if I've got no support from anybody, 
Um, none of the industry bought it. None of the NFL players seem to buy it. I carried for Harry Kane at my club a couple of months ago. Big Patriots fan. He said he was going to buy it, which he never did. I just wish somebody believed in me as much as I did for myself. And that's the only real regret I've got. I wouldn't change any of the stories in there because it just makes the story so personal to me. And everything that happened was wonderful, even the bad things. I look back on them now and I laugh out loud. But I just wish I would have had some support from the industry that could have elevated me onto a superstar status, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I do. And you know what? You know, I, I understand that the music industry perhaps better than most. My old man was in it and we can have a conversation over a beer another time. And uh, I've got some stories from his background that I wasn't involved in, but it's an incredibly difficult line of work. And um, the one thing he always said to me, because he never wanted any of that, ironically, he was happy to be in the shadows, is he said, do you know the the people that end up getting the success are the ones that don't go looking for it. The people that don't want it. It's the people. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that's the, you know, you get these people that that work hard and try hard and you get, you got these modern day quote unquote celebrities that go on love Island and all of that. And, you know, they get their little 15 minutes in here and there. I I would say to you is I've, I, like I said, I haven't finished the book. I'm going to read it over Christmas, finish it off. Um, But I've met you. I've had a, we've had a beer you're genuinely a, a, a top top bloke and uh you've got a lot of stories and you know a lot of people will be fascinated and hopefully people do buy the book uh and enjoy it but i know if nothing else people will want to interact with you and you know don't don't give up because your time will come and whether it's a different tour or uh, a second volume of the book i i sure hope that you continue to to do it and if there's anything that we can do to help um then we certainly will we're not the BBC or, <laughs> uh, you know, we don't, we, we don't, we don't make any money out of this. This is a passion project for us, but we have great listeners and we have people who interact with us for us. It's about meeting people like yourself and people who listen to this podcast. So on that note, then why don't you tell everyone where they can, where they can interact with you, where they can find you um, details of where to get the book, etc. Okay. Cause I just thought like what you just said, I, I just want to say a massive, massive thank you to you guys, because I, I'm, I'm really a humble guy and, I keep saying, quoting the book, you know, a lot of people promised me airplay and, and they never gave it to me. So you just for the fact that you have done that for me today, honestly, guys, it means the world to me. And I can't thank you enough. Um, whenever someone does anything for me, I promise you, I return it with interest. I always have done. I always will do. I don't want anything from no one. But if someone helps me, they get more back in return. So I just want to say a massive thank you to you guys. The only place really people can touch base with me is Facebook. I did do Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Like I said before, I've sent a lot of things out there and I've got very little back. All the people from the NFL, I've got a list as long as me arm that I know. Everyone from the, the guys at the BBC that, and Chappers and all that lot, I've tried to touch base with them all many, many times and I've never got a reply. So I've kind of given up. But the only place people can follow me on Facebook, and at the moment, if you're going to go to Facebook now and try and add me as a friend, I've just come back from Jamaica and there's a picture of me with like long dreadlocks. And the reason why I say it is because I, somehow I've got two accounts. I opened a second account a few years ago because I got blocked for some reason. Opened up another account. So there's two. So if you're going to add me, add me to one with the Facebook um, thing with the dreadlocks. And you can follow everything I do because I do put three or four videos on every day. Not just at the stadiums I'm at. It could be in, um, in the middle of Atlanta if I see a funky building or I'm at a museum and there's something interesting, or I'm at the, the Olympic site at the moment, I'll always post something interesting. 
But what I always do too is always positive. I never really put rants or negativity on my Facebook page because Facebook for me is about, it's about positivity. It's about entertainment. People don't want to see me moaning all the time. But you might see me moaning if I've got a good reason, like the Cowboys are rubbish and they got beat. But generally, my posts are upbeat. They're funny. They're informative. I even caddied in a group with um, Vernon K one time, and he showed no interest. He used to run Channel 4's football show, and uh, all these people like promised me little bits and pieces. They'd kind of raise my profile by putting out a tweet or something, and, and none of them ever did. So that was really demoralizing for me. So if there was one thing I could change about the tour, I wish I could have got a few boys in my pocket who I could have used to kind of raise my profile on social media because social media this day and age is so massive and it's such an integral part of communication in this day and age that I kind of missed that boat. That boat sailed and I never got on board. So that's my biggest bugbear that I never broke on through from social media and a lot of the celebrities who offered to help me who didn't well like i said if you ever plan to do it again we will uh we will offer the help um and we will share and it's like an avalanche that's what happened with jacob um, i remember he was on a couple of podcasts with with us with uh, our friend tim who does the full 10 yards podcast and then um you know we started following his journey and then he just you know he was tweeting out and a couple of people and he'd be at a couple of uh teams and then all of a sudden he was on a local newspaper and then he ended up getting a little blurb on nfl.com and then he got onto bbc and then it all spiraled and nfl uk got but it was all avalanche because it was at that point everybody was just on it it was only towards yeah. the end he he had done it but i think you know we plan to have jacob back on at some point to talk about his story um so i don't want to speak yep. for him but um i imagine that if we were to ask him sort of what support he got in the beginning other than from people like you and me and people on the road and super fans i bet it wasn't a lot i bet it was all just towards the end so yeah i think uh i think it's something that you know if you ever plan to do again or you ever want to do more we'll have you on um, because I just find your stories fascinating and genuinely love them. And uh, yeah, we must sort out a beer in the new year and we'll go, uh, we'll share some music. Oh, for sure. We share some music. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Stories as well. We can uh, compare yep. music, music history notes, etc. So Perfect. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm back at the end of January. I, uh, I kind of officially fly home from New York on the 27th of January. So once I get home, I just drop you a line and you say you work near close to where I live. So listen, we'll, we'll meet up for sure. Yeah, definitely. I'd love that. Hey, look, listen, Dima, I don't know if you've heard of a podcast called My Dad Wrote a Porno. Have you heard of that? <laughs> I know it now, and I'll be looking at it as soon as I put the phone down for you. Okay, so basically, <laughs> basically, this guy's dad wrote a, uh, he wrote a porno, and his son and his two best friends read the book for the podcast and basically rip shreds out of his dad's book because it is atrocious. But the podcast right. is three people having a laugh on the, about the podcast. And I think your book would do right. really well along the same sort of lines with you almost telling your stories as, as, as individual podcasts and stuff, because that would be another way to get it out into the world. And, you know, me and Murph, That'd be great. We, we do podcasts because we enjoy doing it and you can do one wherever you yeah. are. So, I mean, I, I've not read the book. I yet, would love but, to. But, but when I do, I imagine there's loads of stories that you could put into short podcast formats and, and get out there for the world to hear. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you another person I, I kind of know quite well now. He's Peter Crouch because he's a member at my golf club. And I remember saying to him, because he, he wrote a book and he's doing very, very well. And I mm. said to him, Pete, let's have a deal. I'll read your book if you read mine. 
And he kind of laughed, but he just said, I haven't got the time. And I thought, well, how great is that? You want me to buy your book and read it, which I was, I was more than happy to do. But he didn't really want to buy mine. <laughs> so I thought, nice one, Pete. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to be on his podcast because he's, he's got a really successful podcast and he knows me. So, and I tweeted to him the other day, on, on, obviously on Twitter, and of course he never replied. Welcome to my world. Someone gave me his book uh, for a Christmas present. Um, so uh, I've got that to read, but um, I'll tell you what, I'm going to finish yours before I read his, and you can tell him that for me. Please to do. Say. <laughs> Please then... do. But I tell you, he's, a, he's a really nice guy, though. I've got to give him that. He's a lovely guy. Yeah, because he's again, he's local to where you and I. Uh, well, no, you've just moved, but where you were and where you work, yeah. it's it's not far from where I live. And uh, yeah, he's quite local as well. A lot of people, but listen, this has been uh, an absolute blast. And yeah, we will. I think I think Stocks is onto a winner there with the podcast. I think we can. Yeah. Maybe over the summer months, we can maybe put something together. I'd love to. Honestly, I I love to talk as you can probably hear and. Uh, <laughs> To do something like that on a regular basis would be right up my, my boulevard. <laughs> yeah, we'll, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll have a chat about that for sure, even if we just point you in the right direction. Yeah. But listen, Demo, thank you so much for coming on, mate. It's been an incredible experience for us oh, to have you on. Guys, thank you so much. I'm really, really grateful. Oh, no, listen, we, we're grateful we'll definitely have you back uh if nothing else just to chat through some more stories as we get into the summer months and uh and and the off season but um good luck with the rest of the tour and hopefully you get hopefully you get your wish and jason garrett is fired in a few days time <laughs> <laughs> i think that's gonna happen yeah well, I, I'm, I'm with you on that absolutely you just never know but listen demo thank you so much for coming on murph i'll catch you I guess I'll catch you in 2020 now, big man. Yeah. See you when I get back. That's a promise. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. And I guess it will be 2020. And Adam, I'll send, you, I'll send you some pictures next week I'm in Tampa. Yes, please do. Oh, Make sure dreamy. you do. I will. Dreamy. I'll, I'll do a video and I'll dedicate it to your show. That we would love. And we'll get it out there. I'll give you a bit of publicity. Brilliant. <laughs> Top man. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks very much. Cheers, Happy New Year. Merry Happy Christmas year. and all that. Merry Bye. Christmas. Happy New Year, mate. So, yeah, big man, I guess I'll catch you in 2020 now. Yeah, I guess so. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I guess I guess it's going to be difficult to get one in before the new year or is there's much to talk about. We'll see. Uh, yeah. There's plan for 2020 unless something miraculous happens and maybe we come back. But listen, Rush Nation, you never know because we are prone to popping up in New Year rolls just when you don't expect us. But we hope you enjoyed the Christmas Day special and this one has been an absolute lesson for me. That's I can't believe how much I've just learned in the last hour. <laughs> no, absolutely. He's a top bloke. He's someone I've well, we met him in London in March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, stayed in touch. He's a he's a top guy. Yeah, but Rush Nation until 2020, unless there's a surprise. As always, Happy New Year, and don't forget, keep rushing. entitled to sexual health just as much as physical and mental health we want to make it easier for folks to find resources however they engage with us there's no wrong door so it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming talking about what their sex life is about their concerns and to make sure they're healthy do it for them do it for you montgomery county your sexual health matters visit doitforyoumc.org 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.